Welcome to the Real Music Talk podcast. Music conversations with one big question. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Real Music Talk podcast. My name is Keith Hall. I'm your host, and this is episode number eight. Uh, today we have a fantastic musician. Uh, she is an educator and a performer and a composer and a band leader. And she's also played in so many different types of musical settings, everything from straight ahead jazz to more avant-garde situations to uh, Natalie Merchant and Sarah Bareilles. You may have seen her on Late Night with Seth Meyers playing the drums. Uh, just a, a, a wonderful person and a great musician. So let's get into this conversation with Allison Miller. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Allison Miller. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, I, I was trying to think the other day how long we've known each other, and um, the decades just keep mounting, and I'm trying not to think about... <laughs> I know we met each other. We were in college. and We uh, did, and I was afraid of you. <laughs> wait. I was. I, I, you were part of that Western Michigan crew, and... Wait a second. Afraid? I was afraid. I was afraid of everybody back then, but I was, I was, I looked up to you and your crew and I was kind of afraid of how like serious and, um, you guys were like the, when I was a kid, when I was in college, I was like, oh, those are the real jazz musicians. (laughs) And and look how things have flipped, right? (laughs) Well, you know, I think I would... I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not even going to comment. Well, <laughs> thank, thanks. I mean, I, I, I hope you weren't really afraid, but um, I, I, I felt the same way about you. You know, once I, once I, I remember meeting you and like, wow, what a sweetheart. I really love this person. She's so cool. I want to stay in touch with her. And then, you know, getting to hear you play and it's like, oh boy, wow. She's, she's really something. So, and, and now <laughs> to see your career like explode and all these cool gigs that you've done um, all this amazing teaching, um, clinics and jazz camps. And, um, I just saw you at the, uh, jazz education networks, uh, conference in new Orleans last January is the last time we saw each other. And you had that clinic with Jeff Letterer and, and, um, a great saxophonist, actually also a Western grad. Oh, that's right. Uh, Yeah. Right. I mean, we didn't go to the same time, but there's another connection. But um, and just to see you work, uh, you're always so positive and um, uh, generous, I think is, is a good word, you know, as a person and as a player. And it's, it's really, really fun to watch. It's been fun to watch your career. And I'm, I'm glad we're still friends <laughs> and we get to talk today. <laughs> uh, with all these amazing opportunities that you've had, there, there must be some that stick out. So wondering if you could talk about a highlight of a, a favorite gig or a, a somebody that you worked with. Sure. Well, you know, I've been I've been thinking a lot about my mentors lately because I've been involved in lots of. Um, I, I guess as I've gotten deeper into my career, I've gotten more interested in advocacy for justice and gender justice in particular, mm. and of course, we're all talking about justice a lot these days, um, yes, very much needed. Indeed. So and yes. and. So I, you know, I was on a panel the other day with Terry Lynn and a bunch of people on gender justice, and we were really talking about mentorship and the importance of, and the need for, for young musicians to mentor with 
band leaders and artists and cut your teeth, you know, like when you mm -hmm. first start playing for a living and you have to do that. And it's kind of been the history of this music. And I feel like a lot of times women are kind of young women are, can be cut out of that option. And I, and I was thinking about how I feel so fortunate that I've had, um, some really important male mentors in my life. I mean, I've, you know, my teachers, but also some, some band leaders that really kind of went out on a limb and hired me at a young mm -hmm. age. And, um, I'm so grateful for that, that I was able to actually like make a living while I'm still learning the craft, you know, cause I yeah. think a lot of young women don't get that opportunity and then they kind of, they lose hope <laughs> and peter yeah. out, you know? Um, yeah. so I want to talk about Dr. Lonnie Smith, the master, oh. the master. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's, who is still like, I have to say, I just call, I just talked to him two days ago he's down in florida yeah. and he is like my he calls me little alley he's like my uh <laughs> he's like my my he's family you know totally family but yeah. you know when i i can't remember exactly how old i was i think it was around 2003 or 2004 he reached out and um i kind of went and did like an official audition with him which i thought was i had never really done that in jazz you know so i went and auditioned and um, he asked, he asked me to go on tour. So I, what I want to do is just talk about this one, this very first tour I did with him. I got the gig. He called me and, or his, his uh, agent or manager called me and they were like, can you do this tour in Poland? And of course I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. you know, I had done that one audition with him, but we had never played. And um, I think the reason I want to talk about this is it's like, so so true to jazz and jazz history and just kind of how we just can play music together no matter what, if we have never played together before, you know? Yeah. And um, so the gig was literally leaving Friday, returning back to New York by Monday morning. Wow. To Poland. This is like a real, you know, in the trenches, here we go, jazz tour, you know? Yeah. So I was like, okay, yes, of course. So we leave Poland. I mean, sorry, we leave JFK Friday night, two flights. And then we, we get to, to, I think there was a small delay. And then we finally get to Warsaw around 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. Our gig is at 2.30 p.m. in the like main square in downtown Warsaw. So we get in the van and we drive directly to the show. <laughs> Right. And there are about 10,000 people in the square. It's the, oh it's the Warsaw Jazz Festival. And we basically walked straight up on stage and Lonnie threw down for two and a half hours. Oh. We played a two and a half hour set. I had no idea what was happening. Uh, we didn't, you know, of course there was no set list. Um, we're completely, I'm completely like, in, I, I think I did change. I think we maybe did stop by the hotel to change outfits, you know, but, yeah, yeah. but it was literally, it felt like straight from the airport to the show. And yeah. uh, it was me and Lonnie and Mark Whitfield. And um, oh, wow. yeah, it was fun. But the, the best part about it was right in the middle of the set, which I later found out was kind of Lonnie's thing that he does. He just stopped. We're playing giant steps, the fastest I've ever played it. And he just, and this is like a good hour and a half into the show. He just stops playing and gives, you know, gives it to me for a drum solo. And then he just leaves the stage. This is like, 
this is like real old school uh, yeah. you know entertain jazz entertainer etiquette you know and right. he he's like let's see what you got kind of like can you hang with me and um it felt like that like it felt like the best of jazz hazing you know <laughs> <laughs> um so then he just leaves the stage and literally i so love like he just wouldn't come back you know <sighs> and i swear I mean, it probably was only five minutes, but in that moment, it felt like I took a 10 minute drum solo until he came back. And it was like, it was the best. It was so much fun. And he pushed me beyond what I thought I could do, which was great. And that, that's kind of how it felt the whole time I played with him. Um, And then the next day we drove six hours to another city in, in Poland, played a show and then drove overnight back to Warsaw and got on a plane to fly back to New York. And I was home by like 11 a.m. Monday morning. And I just, I remember thinking, wow, what just happened? And if I can do that, I am, I'm good. I'm cool for this business. And also just admiring Lonnie so much for being completely positive the entire tour and not having any issues with rest. Like he never complained once. He just did the, did it. You know, and I really looked up to that and took that as a moment of real mentorship, you know, to kind of teach me to not complain and be grateful for having this opportunity to play music on such a high level and with him and Mark, you know. Yeah. Um, it was really inspirational. And then, you know, I ended up playing with him uh, for, you know, steadily for three or three or four years and then um, on and off, you know, since then. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've done a few of those where you just go for the weekend or you do a couple of dates, you come back and you're just like, could we not do that again? That was yeah. a lot of travel in a very short amount of time. But uh, like you say, you, you learn so much. Uh, you see what you're made of, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we, we grow up and say, yeah, I want to do this thing. I want to go on tour. That's my dream. And then you get a chance. And it's like, well, yeah, it's it's not just the music. Yeah. It's the hang, it's the travel, it's the food or no food or whatever <laughs> it is, you know, yeah, and it's the everything. time zones. Oh. Yeah. It's so much more than, than the playing, than just the playing, you know? And I, you know, I, I always, I always laugh at my students, you know, because sometimes I'll have this crazy thing. You know how it is when we're trying to like teach a, a, a university job and mm-hmm. also have a touring career. Yeah. And it's like you squeeze in every little bit of touring you can do. And sometimes I will literally fly home to teach on Wednesday and then fly back out, you know, and I do crazy things where I just don't sleep and I make it happen. And I always laugh at my students when I walk in that morning to class and either someone doesn't show up and I reach out to them and they're like, Oh, I, I was too tired. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or like, right. I mean, I don't, I actually don't laugh. I'm actually very like, I expect more from you, you know? Um, Tell us about your teaching then a little bit. Where, where are you teaching right now? I'm teaching at the new school for jazz and contemporary music. I teach kind of part time, although, you know, it's pretty full time. Uh, uh-huh. I teach uh, two sight reading drum classes and I also teach an improv ensemble and I teach a class called Super Trios, which is my favorite. It's a piano trio class. I want to take your classes. 
Wow. It's pretty fun. I want to take your classes. Oh, let's, let's take each other's classes. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. I'm also, um, you know, I'm also the, uh, in the last couple of years, I became the artistic director of Jazz Camp West, which oh. is a really great uh, camp for adults that I would actually love to get you to teach, teach at one year. Um, it's great. It's like in the Redwood Forest, just south of San Francisco. And it is, um, there are about, I would say usually about 300 attendees and 52 faculty. That's a great ratio, right? Yeah. This year we were, we had uh, Ulysses Owens as the artist in residence, nice. um, but it's always a great crew of people and a lot of great Bay Area teachers and performers mm. as well. And you've been, the, you said, the artistic director for a couple of years? Yeah. So I, I basically do all the hiring and kind of craft the program and, you know, run the, run the artistic side of the camp. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Are you doing private lessons as yep. well? Like oh, yeah. Online and oh, all yeah. Kind of things? I mean, especially now. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I teach, I usually, I teach proficiency at the new school. So I, always have like every incoming freshman uh, freshman class I usually have about five or six students mm. and then I also teach uh, students who are like further into their career further into their um, college education okay who else are you working with currently then uh, like playing performance, wise? performance yeah I mean honestly Keith I'm, I'm mostly doing my own projects uh, I'm touring my band, Boom Tick Boom, and I have another project called Parlor Game that I co-lead with Jenny Scheinman. And um, and then the main thing, I'm in this collective called Artemis, mm. and it's a really great band. It's um, me, Ingrid Jensen, Anat Cohen, Melissa Aldana, Rini Rosnes, Cecile McLaurin-Salvant, and Noriko Ueda. Tell me about the name of the band. Artemis? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> We the first the first couple shows that we did or the first tour that we did was uh, booked by a European agent, a French agent, and he had this. He came up with this horrible name for the band, and I'm not even going to say what it is, but it's just like, just imagine, like it's yeah. the, you know, it's kind of it kind of went along with a lot of the questions we first received by journalists, European journalists, when we were on tour, you know? Okay. So when we decided to actually continue the band and really become a band, Rini basically sent an, e sent an email out and was like, Hey, I'm taking ideas for band names. We don't, I don't want it to be like Rini Rosnes and I just want it to be a band, you know? Cool. So, cause she's the, she's the MD. So, okay. um, we all contributed. We, there were some, I mean, of course, knowing that crew of people, there were some really funny, inappropriate names <laughs> thrown into the pot. But I think it was Ingrid Jensen who came up with Artemis. And because she's like a powerful goddess and she's the goddess of hunt, but also the goddess of fertility. So mm -hmm. we felt really kind of engaged with that title and felt like that relates to us because we are kind of fierce, not kind of, we are fierce. And yeah. And we're also nurturing and caring and sensitive like women are. And we, and we, we, we want to, we want to celebrate that, not push it down. So, right. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty fun. Well, Allison, I just, I'm so happy to see you today and, and thank you for taking time to share, you know, your experience and, and your love of music and people with us. Um, it's, I love to see your, your smile all the time. It's always great. Thanks. Um, Sometimes and, I smile uh, so much I get a headache. 
<laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, we need to smile, yeah, you know, know, when we have our masks off, we need to smile. Yeah. And, um, and I always smile when I see you. So, um, one thing I love about being a drummer is that I feel like there's true drummer com- camaraderie, you know, like more than any other instrument. Yes. So every time, anytime I get a chance to hang with another drummer and like a drummer that I admire, I'm happy yeah. and smiling. Yeah. So. So thank you again for, for being here, and I'll see you soon. Thanks, Keith. That was fun, catching up with Allison and uh, hearing about all of her experiences. That story with Lonnie Smith, wow, man. Um, what a fabulous, if you are not familiar with Lonnie Smith, he's just a, a fabulous B3 organ player, and, and you should go check him out, too. Um, if you'd like to check out more of Allison Miller, I suggest you do. Allison is spelled with two L's. And uh, so go to AllisonMiller.com and you can find her all over social media and, uh, you know, take a lesson with her online. She's a fantastic teacher. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and uh, please leave a rating and a comment that helps us out and tell your friends, spread the word. In the meantime, be who you be and do what you do. Take care. <laughs>